As Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib doubles down on her support of Hamas's war against Israel, the United States House of Representatives has moved to censure her. We'll hear from her and her Hamas squad colleagues today on the show. Plus, Biden has a serious problem when it comes to race ahead of the 2024 presidential election. We'll look at that and how it could impact the race altogether. Homeschooling is on the rise across the country post-pandemic. We look at why it has sustained and even grown in the last two years. And Ohio voters vote to pass issue one and issue two. How is a red state... Moving left, we'll talk about it today on the Palmetto Family Matters Show. Welcome into the fastest growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters Show. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Wednesday. It is November the 8th in the year of our Lord, 2023. Glad you're joining us as always. Mitch Prosser out today. He'll be back with us later this week. Be sure to check us out tomorrow, Thursday. We'll be releasing the full conversation that Mitch and Chloe Cole had on stage Monday night at First Baptist North Spartanburg during our Stop the Insanity event. You will get to hear Chloe's story. It's a wonderful, wonderful conversation that those two had on stage in front of a packed house uh, with guests there on Monday night. So look for that tomorrow on all of our platforms, both audio and on Facebook and YouTube as well. So make sure to check that out. Let's go to the news of the day. Glad you're with us. You'll hang with us throughout the show. We'll try to get through everything we got to get through because I'm telling you, it's a lot. The war in Israel continues. Uh, Israeli forces are in Gaza trying to eradicate Hamas as we speak. Meanwhile, over the weekend, a Democrat congresswoman... Rashida Tlaib, we, we know who she is. She's the same person who, upon her election to the Congress, announced to a packed crowd at her victory party that, in regards to Donald Trump, we're going to impeach the bleep and bleep. And then she somehow made her way into a Republican or Trump event a couple of months after that or years after that. She had to be escorted out. She was jumping around, screaming, telling all of them, all the people there they were all crazy um, well, <laughs> if the shoe fits, madam. Um, but Rashida's doubled down here, and I think this is a problem for the Biden administration. The Biden administration overall has done a really good job in its response to Israel. Could be better, could be less uh, equivocating in, in some manners, but overall, it's been good. And the Biden administration and, and Janet Yellen and the Treasury, they're working on an arms deal with Israel right now to rearm the country. Now, Rashida Tlaib over the weekend, released a video, and obviously we haven't been with you until now to discuss it. Here is the video from Congresswoman Tlaib that she tweeted out, and she has since stood by. Here, here, take a look. We stand with Israel. Land. Free, 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 free. 
Mr. President, the American people are not with you on this one. Innocent civilians are going to be hurt going forward. I wish I could tell you something different. I wish that that wasn't going to happen, uh, but it is, it is going to happen. I want to thank President Biden for his unequivocal support. We will remember in 2024. Now, I would love nothing more than to see a different president in 2024. <laughs> I think that goes without saying. However, Congresswoman Tlaib doubled down on this video here, and I, I want to raise a few points on it. She claims she's calling for a, a peaceful ceasefire. The problem is, in showing this video, and showing the hospital that was bombed in Gaza, by the way, by an Islamic terrorist rocket while Hamas has bombed an Israeli hospital in Ashkelon three times at last check. The same hospital. In the video, we see protesters chanting, and it's captioned, no peace on stolen land. Now, the stolen land is not Gaza, which, by the way, Hamas has been in control of since 2006. Israel doesn't control Gaza. The, the Palestinian liberation movement believes that all of Israel, the entire state of Israel, is stolen land and has been since 1948. I direct them to the Old Testament. That's neither here nor there. They claim that the entire country of Israel, nation of Israel, is stolen land. Therefore, there can be no peace on stolen land which means there can be no peace in Israel until they get their way. Petulant children. End the blockade. Break the siege. Who's blockading you? Like, seriously, who's, who's stopping Palestinians from fleeing Gaza? It's not Israel. And then my favorite one, but not really, we see on the screen the caption, From the river to the sea. From the river to the sea would be from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean. The entire nation of Israel no longer being Israel and, let's face it, having no Jews there. The nation of Israel has the highest Jewish population in the Middle East, in the world, but certainly in the Middle East. Surrounding countries don't have Jews in them. Yet in Israel they do, obviously, because it's a Jewish state. And the call from the river to the sea is a call for the elimination of the state of Israel and the Jews that inhabit it. That's never been a debate. That's always been what it means. But now suddenly... Orwellianly, we're going to change that. We're going to say, no, that's not what that means. As Congresswoman Debbie Dingell said yesterday, well, from the river to the sea means different things to different people. What? No, it doesn't. For some, for some it's extremely violent. For others, it's peaceful. They can't be both, ma'am. 
Like, logically, common sense dictates it cannot be both. Here's what Rashida Tlaib tweeted. It's a shame that my colleagues are more focused on silencing me than they are on saving lives as the death toll in Gaza surpasses 10,000. I didn't see you put out a statement once about the deaths of Israelis on October 7th. Many of them have shown me that Palestinian lives simply do not matter to them. I thought only black lives matter. Anyway, uh, but I still do not police their rhetoric or actions. Rather than acknowledge the voice and perspective of the only Palestinian American in Congress. Wait, are you an American or are you Palestinian? My colleagues have resorted to distorting my positions in resolutions filled with obvious lies. I have repeatedly denounced the horrific targeting and killing of civilians by Hamas and the Israeli government. See, there's the link. There's the link. Did you, did you catch that? I have repeatedly denounced the horrific targeting and killing of civilians by Hamas and the Israeli government and have mourned the Israeli and Palestinian lives lost. Now, again, this moral, this moral relativism, this drawing of a comparison that, oh, well, Hamas is bad, yeah, but so is the Israeli government. Like, they're one and the same. Do, do you honestly believe that? Do you honestly believe that the Israeli government that is warning citizens to please leave, we are going to bomb the city. Leave it now. That's the same as paragliders gliding into a music festival and we know because they're wearing body cams, killing innocent people, shooting babies in the head, burning houses, killing people at will, indiscriminately. That's the same, Congresswoman? Meanwhile, she continues, each day that passes without a ceasefire brings more death and destruction upon innocent civilians who have nowhere safe to go. That's Egypt's problem. That's Jordan's problem. They won't take them in. Drawing outrage and condemnation from the American people and the international community. A majority of Americans support a ceasefire. But this Congress isn't listening to their voices. I will continue to call for a mutual ceasefire for the release of hostages and those arbitrarily detained, for the immediate delivery of humanitarian aid, and for every American to be brought home. I will continue to work for a just and lasting peace that upholds the human rights and dignity of all people, sinners, peaceful coexistence between Israelis and Palestinians and ensures that no person, no child, has to suffer or live in fear of violence. Now, here's an easy way. This ends today on November the 8th. This ends with Hamas putting down their weapons, stopping hiding, from, hiding behind civilians, and surrendering. It ends. It stops. Israel has no desire to continue what they're doing if Hamas surrenders. They have no need to. It's done. It's over. But they're not doing that. No, no, no. They're not doing that. So the House votes to censure Rashida Tlaib, and the entire squad, Hamas squad caucus, stands with her. Here, here's the shouting and screeching and yelling on the House floor yesterday. 
My perspective is needed here now more than ever. This movement for a ceasefire is much bigger than one person. It's growing every single day. We will continue to call for a ceasefire. Time has expired. The movement will continue for liberation until every single time has, expired. has the right Ge to gentleman live from Maryland in liberty. Is this is the place where our black and brown staff members repeatedly speak of experiencing racism and sexism, Islamophobia, get pushed off of elevators, xenophobia, and more right here in this workplace. No the more. Time no has more expired. ceasefire now. Okay, so Corey Bush is insane. Number one, she's in, she's castigating the entire body of the U.S. House of Representatives of being racist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. Meanwhile, you're spouting anti-Semitism every time you speak about this issue. Black and brown people get pushed off of elevators in the U.S. House. Did you know that? Did you know that? That inside the House of Representatives, if a white guy is on the elevator with a with a black guy, he pushes the black guy off the elevator. Did you know that? Yeah, you didn't, because that's not happening. So Rashida Tlaib was censured uh, uh, yesterday. Uh, and pretty, not a very close vote, I might add. She brought up a point, though. In her video, she said that Joe Biden's going to have a problem in 2024, because a vast majority of Americans side with Israel in this conflict, because we were the victims of a terrorist attack in 2001. We remember that, Uh Ilhan Omar, who you just heard from, would say that was something that some people did. But we remember that. And we believe that people should live free from terror. <laughs> free from thinking that at any moment someone could burst into their home or into their town or their city and kill them just for existing. Rashida Tlaib says that the Biden administration better be careful because... We're not going to be with you in 2024. Now, if he loses that vote, that could could matter. It could. It could affect him in the 2024 race if he's running in the 2024 race. Biden has a growing race problem, though, when it comes to polling. According to Axios, Jim Vanderhell and Mike Allen teamed up for this piece. It emerged quietly in 2020, but lost ground. But when Biden won, but lost ground among Hispanics and Black voters. Now, this is an alarming re-election threatening full-blown crisis. It is consistent from trends across multiple polls that Biden is bleeding support among Hispanic and black voters, especially younger ones, and especially in swing states. Biden is losing support after Donald Trump was indicted four times. In one fascinating way, Biden is morphing into Trump when it comes to his base. It's old white voters who seem most solid in their support. But by the numbers, a Sunday New York Times poll of six swing states all of which Biden won last time, is a brutal result. Biden's support among non-white voters dropped, tw dropped 33 points compared to the 2020 results. The more diverse a state is, the worse he does, according to the New York Times report. Trump's support among black voters popped up to 22 points, which is unseen in modern times for a Republican candidate for president. Biden's lead among Hispanics is in single digits, in the six swing states polled, those six, those six swing states, he's able to say, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Democrats, now he's leading by single digits with Hispanics right now, according to polling. Democrats typically win the Hispanic vote by 30 plus points. A CBS News YouGov poll 
out Sunday had a similar, similarly worrisome finding for Democrats. Quote, Hispanics are much likelier to say their finances would improve under Trump than Biden. And most black voters do not expect their finances to change if Biden wins again. So we're going to get to what happened in Ohio in a second. State by state, cultural things will be the forefront. But when it comes to the presidential election, with how bad the economy is right now and how bad it has been for almost four years now, Americans are voting with their wallet. If they believe that a certain candidate gives them more money in their wallet, they will vote for that candidate. That's why they voted for Joe Biden in 2020, because he promised them free stuff. He promised to pay off your college tuition or your college loans. He, he promised to flood the market with more money. And in doing so, he devalued your currency, and now it costs you an arm and a leg just to go to Subway. Or just to buy groceries. It's actually cheaper to go to Subway than it is to buy groceries. Hispanic ranchers, Mexican-American oil workers, and non-college-educated Latino voters are shifting measurably. Reasons include rural issues like opposition to protections from endangered species, efforts to move away from fossil fuels. Among black voters, stress from inflation and interest rates and cost of car and housing are hurting Biden. It's one year from the election. I understand that. I'm Listen, I'm, I completely understand that. However, what we're seeing is a significant move away from Joe Biden in the 2024 presidential race polling. If that continues, and it very well could, it very well could. Now, now again, these polls are a year out. Trump's polling really well right now. Kim Reynolds just came out in support of Ron DeSantis, officially threw her endorsement behind him. So we'll find out what happens in Iowa in a little, little more than a month and a half. When we get to that point, I think it's important to note that generic Republican is doing really well on the ballot right now in the polling. Generic Republican. We'll see what happens in the polling. But Joe Biden is uh, losing ground amongst minority voters. African-American, Latino, he's losing support. He's steadying support with white Americans. That could change as well. Again, people are going to vote with their wallet. If we get to November and we're still experiencing a high inflation rate, and I fully anticipate we will be, I mean, it might not matter who's running on the other side of him. And certainly, a independent run by Bobby Kennedy Jr. could impact him as well. Now, we've talked about the war in Israel and, and Biden's race problem. I want to get to this story. This story came out a couple of days ago in the Washington Post. We're seeing an across-the-board increase in homeschool enrollment since the 2017-2018 school year. Now, again, we saw an uptick in homeschooling thanks to the COVID pandemic. Uh, people started homeschooling in 2020 and just uh, stuck with it. But the majority of people believe that uh, okay, well, that'll change after the pandemic. But percentage increase in total homeschool enrollment, just a few numbers here. In New York, percentage increase, homeschool enrollment has increased 103% in New York State since the 2017-2018 school year. In California, it's increased 78%. In Rhode Island, 91%. In Tennessee, 77%. In, 
In South Dakota, I almost said San Diego, South Dakota, 94%. How about South Carolina? South Carolina has seen a 108% increase in homeschool enrollment since the 2017-2018 school year. Now, why would this be? Florida, by the way, 72%. Excuse me, D.C. has a 108% rise. South Carolina, 49%. They threw Washington, D.C. beside us on their little typographical map here from the, the Washington Post. I want to give you a little bit of what this says. Homeschool's surging popularity crosses every measurable line, Washington Post writes, of politics, geography, and demographics. The number of homeschool kids has increased 373% in the last six years in Anderson, South Carolina. In the Bronx, it's increased 358%. You're not going to find two different types of geographical population and democrat or demographic location than Anderson, South Carolina and the Bronx. They're extremely different. Now it is hard to gather this information because different schools handle this a different way, so you you have to kind of work through that. In the same time period in which the percentage of homeschooling has grown 51% across the nation over the last 6 years, 7% growth has been seen in the private school enrollment. So private school enrollment is up 7%. Public school enrollment is down 4%. And homeschool enrollment is up 51%. I believe this is a good thing. Here's why. What we have is a, a hierarchy, a bureaucracy within the federal education system. And again, this is not to say that public schools are bad. This is not to say that public school teachers are bad. Uh, Many of them are good. However, what we see in the public school system right now is more so an indoctrination of values that the majority of Americans do not agree with. Now, education at its core is indoctrination. So I'm not saying we shouldn't indoctrinate kids. No, we, we should, just with good things, not bad things. Right, we. The basis of education in the United States and the basis of education overall is to teach and drill and indoctrinate students with 2 plus 2 is 4, here's how you diagram a sentence, here's what's happened in history, and here's how science works. And then from those things, we can then build knowledge throughout the course of years to where they can take the basic and use the basic to solve the more intricate and more detailed and more difficult problems. The problem is, across the country, including here in South Carolina, we've decided to sacrifice good quality education for social indoctrination. And so with social indoctrination, especially in today's culture, you have the need to do away with the antiquated Ah, we don't need to. We don't need to study Shakespeare or Chaucer or any of those guys. No, we need to talk about the plight of the history of the LGBT community. We need to talk about why it's good that you can have a mommy and a mommy and a daddy and a daddy, and that's okay. Uh, we we can talk about how uh, marriage is but a construct. We can talk about how men and the patriarchy is the reason for all these problems. Let's talk. Let's talk about America's enduring race problem and how America is intrinsically racist from its root core. Um, excuse me, teacher. I-, I thought this was math class. It is, kid. Shut up. 
That's what's happening across the public school system by and large. And so as that's happening, as parents see that, parents say, no, I don't want my, no, we don't want to, we don't want our child being taught these things. We want our child being taught good, virtuous things and gaining knowledge without the strings being pulled of higher social justice warrior dictates. Does that make sense? That's why we're seeing a rise of homeschooling across the country. Now, this just isn't from the pandemic to now. This is from 2017-2018 school year, two years before the virus escaped the lab in Wuhan. So for six years, we've seen a rise. Does it continue? I, I think it could. Do I think it should? Absolutely, I think it should. Because we can say all day long that parents know what's best for their children, these numbers prove that parents think that too. Proves they think it too. One final thing for you today on the show, and that is what happened in Ohio last night. Again, these numbers are still rolling in, so we, we, we know this is, these have passed. Um, Obviously, yesterday was an uh, off-year election day, so you have some constitutional amendments. You have some governor's races, including Tate Reeves in, in Mississippi winning re-election as, as the Republican candidate there. Uh, Virginia Democrats won a majority of seats in the lower chamber of its state, so Democrats now have control in the lower chamber in Virginia, and they've got a majority in the upper chamber, so... Not only did Republicans not get control of the Senate in Virginia, they also lost control of the House of Commons. So now you're in a problem, right? Now you're really um, in a bind there with a Republican governor and lieutenant governor and attorney general. Now you really don't have control. And Daniel McCaffrey, a Democrat, win, won the election in the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. It was a good night for Democrats. I don't think there's any question about that. And I think it's a night where, once again, I'm confused. If you listen, if you've lost every election since you became chairperson of a party, uh, I don't think you should have your job anymore. But we go to Ohio. Ohio had two issues on the ballot issue one and issue two. Let's go to issue two first. Issue two is just wild. Issue two this is the possession and use of marijuana would become legal for people 21 and older, and its sale would be authorized. 57% of votes cast, yes. So, upon that vote, in 30 days, it will be legal in Ohio to, po to, to possess and sell marijuana. Legal to possess it and sell it, if you're 21, in the state of Ohio. Only 1.6 million people voted no on that issue. So, here's the thing. Ohio's a red state. Governor Mike DeWine, typically Ohio breaks Republican in a presidential election. They vote to legalize marijuana. Issue one is, uh, while issue two matters, and I believe proliferation of marijuana is a bad thing and a, and a, a bad thing for society, I, and we're going to have people, I, I know, we're going to have people who comment on this video and, and tell me I'm not a good Christian for saying that, but... Um, 
I, I believe marijuana is a detrimental thing to society. I, and, and I can have that opinion, and you can disagree with it, and we can move on. Issue one is bigger. The amendment to enshrine, quote, the right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions. So basically, enshrining the right to abortion in the state constitution of Ohio, 56.6% of people voted yes to enshrine the right to abortion in Ohio. Only 43.4% voted no. What's interesting is the number's about the same, people who voted no on each one. What does this mean? I I don't know if it means brought by and large that the majority of society is pro-abortion. I, I mean, you could make that argument, certainly. What this does tell us is that as you look as I'm looking at the map here, the closer I get to a college campus or a metropolitan city, I see blue, which voted yes here in this case. Um, Franklin, Franklin County, Delaware County, surrounds Columbus, Columbus, Ohio, Ohio State University. You're talking 73% of people in Franklin County voted yes on this. Cleveland and Cuyahoga County, 74% voted yes on this. Let's go down to Cincinnati, Hamilton County, 65% yes. Montgomery County, Dayton, Ohio, uh, 59% voted yes. Let's go up to Lucas County, Toledo, Ohio, 64% voted yes. Akron, 65% voted yes in Summit County. So again, when, you, when you're looking in and around those metropolitan areas, you've got a, a wide swath uh, voting in favor of this. But Dark County, Shelby County, Aguilays County, Mercer County, Holmes County, County, Jackson, Scioto, Adams, Highland, Clinton County, uh, Van Wert County, or Paulding, or Putnam, knows, by and large. I, you know, this would this would legalize um, abortion up until the point of birth, as I've as I've read to understand it. The state legislature could technically still uh, craft legislation. To ban abortion after 23 weeks, which is roughly uh, what they would call viability outside of the womb, they can, I suppose, still do that. Uh, but as someone who is expecting their first child, and my wife and I have, uh, she she has crossed that halfway point. Uh, she's right around this time frame, actually. I, I just don't understand how people can vote to say that yes, uh, killing a child is perfectly fine unless it's born. Then once it's born, that magical that magical moment where it suddenly gains life as it uh, passes through uh, a canal. Suddenly, suddenly that life matters. I, I I don't I don't quite understand that. We certainly don't have a culture of life in this country, and I think that goes without saying. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris released a statement. Today, Ohio voters approved a constitutional amendment to protect a woman's right to make decisions about her own body, not her body. Voters turned out to safeguard reproductive rights. Help me out here. Killing a child isn't reproductive. It's the opposite. And prevent extremists from enforcing an abortion ban that would harm women and criminalize doctors. How would it harm women? Help me on that one. The results in Ohio underscore what the vast majority of Americans believe. 
politicians should not interfere in decisions. It should between be between a woman and her doctor. I noticed they're stopping the whole God thing. They're just they're just giving up on that. They used to say between a woman, her doctor, and her God. They've dropped that. They don't care. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe, people across the country have voted to defend reproductive freedom every time it has appeared on the ballot. That's right. The pro-life movement has suffered losses in Kansas, California, Michigan, Montana, Kentucky, and Vermont. While President Biden and I are working to, re- to protect reproductive freedom, extremists are pushing for a national abortion ban that will criminalize reproductive health care in every single state in our nation. I- Lies. It is past time for Congress to listen to the American people and pass a bill that restores the protections of Roe v. Wade, and when they do, President Biden will sign it into law. They're talking about the, uh, the a bill in Congress that would legalize abortion up until the moment of birth, which is not what Roe v. Wade was. Roe v. Wade was bad, but that's even worse. President Biden's uh, staff, it was 9. This was released at 9.37 p.m. last night. I do not believe that President Biden was awake. Tonight, Americans once again voted to protect their fundamental freedoms, and democracy won. See, real quick, can I just make a point? I just want to make a quick point. This is why presidential elections are not done purely by a full majority rule democracy. This is why I'm glad we live in a constitutional, representative, democratic republic, which is different than a democracy. We continue. In Ohio, voters protected access to reproductive health care in their state constitution. Ohioans and voters across the country rejected attempts by MAGA Republican elected officials to impose extreme abortion bans that put the health and lives of women in jeopardy, force women to travel hundreds of miles for care, not care, hundreds of miles to kill their children, and threaten to criminalize doctors and nurses for providing the health care that their patients need and that they are trained to provide. This extreme and dangerous agenda is out of step with the vast majority of Americans. My administration will continue to protect access to reproductive health care and call on Congress to restore the protections of Roe v. Wade and federal law once and for all. That was President Biden after the votes in Ohio. So what does this mean? I think, I think number one, purely political talk. Purely political talk. The... Republican Party at large across the nation has a problem. And I don't think it's an abortion problem. I don't think it's a culture war problem. Republicans are having a very hard time winning elections right now. I think think some things need to be addressed when it comes to that. Certainly in certain states, that's not an issue. I think you see it in South Carolina. It's not the case. Uh, But, you know, if you're experiencing losses at this rate, you might want to rethink your strategies a little bit. What this also shows we have a long way to go in making sure people understand what abortion is and what it does. I, I, I just cannot fathom that one would be so callous to believe, and maybe I'm naive, that one would not see the barbarism and the absolute atrocity that is killing a living thing inside its mother's womb that is not the mother's body because the baby has a different DNA, a different brain, different organs, unique thumbprint, its own blood type. It's completely different from the mother. And in Ohio, a majority of people in that state voted in favor of giving a constitutional right in that state to kill children until birth. 
Let that sink in. And then I want you to think about where we are here in this state. Puts things into perspective a little bit, doesn't it? But what we need to do is we need to continue to push to become a society that stops killing its children. We need to push to become a society that stops mutilating its children. Because if we do not stop killing our children or mutilating our children, we will cease to exist. Not as we know it, we will cease to exist. Period. Society will not flourish. Society will die off. We will see a negative birth rate. We will see a decline in population size. We will see an aging population like we've never seen before. It will not end well. At all. Make sure to check us out tomorrow. Tomorrow we will be showing you the full version, the full conversation between Mitch Prosser and Chloe Cole at our Stop the Insanity event Monday night in North Spartanburg at First Baptist North Spartanburg. It was a wonderful evening, and if you weren't able to attend, you missed out on a great time, but you will get to catch that full conversation tomorrow right here on the show. But until then, thank you so much for watching and listening to the fastest-growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina. We are the fastest-growing and strongest only because of your participation, prayer, and partnership with us. It's only by those ways that we can continue to do this show and keep you informed and continue to do the work that we're doing inside the state and across the country. So if you want to get involved with what we're doing, palmettofamily.org, sign up for our email newsletter there. Scroll down to the bottom of the screen. There it is. If you want to invest in the work that we're doing, I would encourage you to go to our website, click the invest button on the upper right-hand corner. You can sign up to give a one-time gift, a monthly gift, however you can support the, our ministry and what we're doing here. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. Most of all, we would we would covet your prayers as we continue to work alongside you to cast a biblical worldview across the Palmetto State because that's our ultimate goal is to make South Carolina a better place to live, work, and raise a family. Until next time, tomorrow, here on the fastest growing and strongest conservative talk show for Kevin Cayello and Mitch Prosser, I'm Justin Paul. Thank you so much for watching the Palmetto Family Matters Show.